What would you say is one of your favorite things about birthdays? What do you like most about birthdays? Yes. The attention is on you. Woo, I love that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The focus is on you. Yes, ma'am. I made it to another year. You made it to another year. There you go. There you go. That's a gift of life. Who else got, has, what do you like about birthdays? Cake. The cake. I love cake. Yes, ma'am. Spending time with family and friends. Yes. Who else has something they like about birthdays? The gifts. Yes. Anything else? Oh, yes. Oh, so Tamar, you get money, huh? All right. All right, so that, that's perfect. So gifts and money. All right, so let's segue to the next question. Uh, Christmas, now that's Jesus' birthday. What do you like about Christmas? Tell me some of the things you like about Christmas. Yes, ma'am. The gifts, the gifts. yes. Everything. Everything, yes. I like the decoration. The decoration, yes, yes. Yes, ma'am. I know, there's so much life and love, and sometimes there's sadness too, but, but there's like, yes, ma'am. I like how all the come alive. Yes, I love it, I love it, yes. There you go. You know, so there's sometimes there's a setup. It's just so set up for us to share the good news, the message of God's love. Christmas is one of those setups. It's a perfect setup. You're right. So it's easy to talk about, you know, what God has done for humanity during Christmas. Yeah. So gifts, birthdays, Christmas, gifts. Uh, the thing about gifts, um, and, and Peter writes about gifts in the passage that we're fixing to talk about. Uh, think about gifts with me for a moment. What, what, do you, what do you hope if you're the giver? What do you hope... When am I moving out of the scene? Should I? Are we videoing this? Okay. All right. As long as I'm good. Hey, everybody in TV land. <laughs> All right. So gifts. So uh, if you're going to give a gift, what do you hope? Let me do this just so we don't mess up. What do you, What do you hope when you give a gift? If you give a gift, what are your What are your hopes? Yes. Yeah, that they appreciate the gift, right? And that they like the gift. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if they got 10 of them and you give them another one, like, thank you so much for the necktie. You know, I mean, preachers have to have neckties, so I, I like neckties. Don't give me but yes, that they'll take care of. They'll be good stewards of it, right? Yes. Messiah, what do you got? Was that your answer? Okay. Yes, sir. There you go. Perfect. You want them to appreciate it. You, want, you don't want them to necessarily have a whole bunch of those. You want them to, to use it, right? What else? Yeah, that they're, they're just not receiving, but they're, but they're using that gift to, either for themselves, but to benefit others. Yeah, that they're not just to receive. Yes. Oh, man, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. So when you go to these white elephant, uh, what do they call them, Dirty Santa, you know, those, those things, you know, it's like, oh, that Elvis picture is fixing to be recycled next year, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 that they'll, they'll, they'll love it, not give it away. Yes. That they feel loved when they receive it. Oh, I love this. Yeah. What else? If you're giving a gift, what do you hope? That it is not end up in somebody else's closet. There you go. That's right. Exactly. You want that person to use it. Yes, ma'am. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not just me doing it, but it's something broad because that person maybe has great value and you oh I love it, love it. What else? Yes, ma'am. That they actually 
Yeah, sometimes behind the gift is a whole story. It could be a sacrifice you've made to make the money to buy the gift. It could be something that you've done. Maybe it's something you've made, uh, and it's, it's, it's something that you value. Uh, yeah, the story behind it many times. Cassidy, if you'll give me that thing on the... So last two weeks ago, I got a gift. It was just a surprise gift. Uh, Andy Bo was on the mission trip with us to, to Alaska, and uh, this is a hat that he bought me. I, I didn't ask for it. He just bought me a hat. And it's got a logo of three bears, which is uh, like a general store in Anchorage. They have everything from fishing equipment to, to food to clothing. And, and, and it's just a cool logo. And I thought, man, I love that. So he just bought me this hat. And, uh, and it was one of those things where I greatly appreciated it. And I have used it. I wore it the whole way back. I have worn it four or five days since. I, mean, I can't wear it here in the church, and I'm wearing it right now, but can't let me get it right. But, uh, but it's like, you know, it was just a simple gift. It was just, you know, he was at, at uh, Three Bears, and I stayed home and took a nap. But, uh, they, you know, they, were, they went shopping, and, and uh, he, just, he just bought me a hat. I just thought that was awesome. But the gift, when you receive a gift, you want to, to realize, man, that person didn't have to do that. And many gifts that are given to us, it's not because the person is obligated to. Sometimes there's gifts where you're obligated to. But most of the time, it's, it's, it's a gift that is given to you because that person cares. Amen? Amen. And when Peter writes about this in the passage we're going to look at this morning, I want you to think about all those things we've talked about when it comes to the giver of the gift. Because the giver of the gift that we're going to talk about today is God. And... Uh, so if you've got your uh, word of worship, um, that is, it's printed in here, but I'm going to be reading out of 1 Peter, and it's chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. And uh, this is a letter that Peter wrote. Now, you know who Peter was. Peter was one of the 12 disciples, right? He was a fisherman growing up. He and his brother and his family had a fisherman trade. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and spins, begins to preach and teach, Peter's a part of the crowd that listens. And he's amazed at who this man is. He's, he's one that speaks with such authority, with such power, with such passion. And, and John writes, never had they heard a man speak like this before. And so Peter was intrigued. And then it finally comes to a point where Jesus is walking along the shoreline, and he looks at Peter, and he looks at his brother, and he says, hey, come and follow me. And they gladly left their entire vocation to spend time with this amazing man, Jesus. And you know, the next three years were just uh, a powerful experience in hearing Jesus teach, seeing miracles of healing, resurrection. He raised two people from the dead during that time. Jesus did. He, he walked on water. Peter got to walk on water. I mean, there's all kind of things in the life of Peter and unfortunately, at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, right before the crucifixion, most of y'all remember, Peter was like, I don't even know Jesus, because he was afraid that his life was going to be taken. But then, after the resurrection, Jesus appears to Peter and the disciples, and Peter gets a chance to be restored. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. So three times, Jesus got to, to talk to Peter about that relationship that was broken because of Peter's denial. And Peter was restored. And on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, we read about how the men and women that followed Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter goes out and preaches a sermon. 
And 3,000 people, 3,000 people respond to the message and give their hearts to Jesus as Lord and Messiah, the promised one they've been waiting for. And, uh, and God used Peter throughout, as you read the book of Acts, mightily to start the church of Jesus Christ, to, to expand Christianity throughout the known world. And Peter was, was greatly used by God. And so he writes letters to the churches. And the churches receive the letters, they read them, they circulate them to churches around the area. And we've got two of them that, uh, that Peter wrote. And this is a part of, of this first letter we call First Peter. Chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober in spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Verse 10, and here's the key verse that we're going to talk about this morning. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Verse 11, whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him or her do so with the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So as Peter writes, you know, to the church, he's saying, man, listen up. Time is short. Now we know it's been 2,000 years, and so the, the men and women that followed Jesus thought, man, Jesus is coming back any minute, and we've got to be ready. Uh, some of you guys know that when you play sports and, and, and you're dealing with a time clock uh, and you don't have much left in the game, when, when, time, when the time is short, when the time is at hand, there's an intensity, there's, there's a, if the competition is, is, is close, if you're getting blown out, it's like, man, I wish the, I wish the game would be over, <laughs> you know, but if not, there, there's, a, there's a focus, there's an intensity, uh, and, and there's a passion. Folks that put things off, folks that procrastinate, and I, I'm one of those that tend to do that, uh, when the deadline comes up, you really get a lot of energy, right? I mean, you, things get ramped up, and it's like, oh, i got to get this project done, or, you know, and so there's an intensity to, to, getting, to meeting the deadline, and so that's what Peter's saying. Listen, he says, you know, the time is short. And so what we want to do is be focused. We want to be intense, but we want to do that because prayer is so vital. Prayer is so important. So I'm so glad that on the 5th of August, we're going to go into the commons where we're going to continue to worship uh, and pray over that area because uh, God's presence is going to be there. So he's saying all things, we need to be bathing them in prayer. He says, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, when you care for somebody, when you truly love them, you want what's best for them. So if you know something about them that might be embarrassing if it's told, if you love them, you don't tell it, right? You just keep it to yourself. You don't mention it. The problem with gossip and the problem with slander and the problem with some of these things that we do with our tongue that hurt other people it's because we really don't care about that person. When it's all said and done, the bottom line, we care more about ourselves than we care about somebody else. So if we love somebody, we, we just we take care of them. We don't lie on their behalf necessarily, but we don't share the deepest, darkest things. We don't say something that's going to hurt them um, because we care. It's almost like we're able to cover that sin. God forgives that sin, but we're able you know, to protect and insulate and take care of one another. So when we love one another... 
And when we are fervent in that, we're passionate about that, then we're able to, to take care of one another. And that's what he wants us to do. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Show hospitality. Care for one another. Do things and extend grace to one another. And don't complain about it. Um, sometimes we're being hospitable is being inconvenienced. You have to do something for somebody else, and it's an inconvenience for you. And sometimes when we feel like things are, are being an inconvenience for us, we'll complain, we'll murmur, we'll grumble, and we'll talk about how great it is that we're doing that, but in the, in the, bottom, in, in the back of our mind we're thinking, yeah, but this is, no, no, we don't need to do that. Now let's get to the verse that is really uh, the focus of, of this sermon, and this is verse 10. And if you've got your bulletin, you might want to uh, get a pen out or write some of this down if you'd like. You don't have to, but if you'd like to. So it says, as each one, and we're going to stop there, each one, each one, every single person sitting here this morning, each of you, this is talking about you, to each one of us, y'all like turning to your neighbor and saying things? Some people don't like that. Y'all like doing that? Yes or no? Raise your hand if you like that. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you don't like it. Y'all are a tough crowd. Raise your hand if you like it. All right, raise your hand if you don't like it. That's about half and half. Okay, all right, turn to your neighbor and say, Mark's talking about you. All right. Turn to your other neighbor and say, Peter's writing about you. All right, so to each one. So Peter is writing, and he's saying, listen up. Every single one of us, Every single one of us, God has given, has received a special gift. And so that idea of having received, um, let me get these notes. Usually I don't use notes, but I'm going to use notes this morning because I'll forget it. So this idea, each one has received, in the Greek it's lambano, okay? And so what that word, and, and I don't want to just do this in pressure, but it helps us understand. So the tense of that word is second aorist, active, and indicative. What that means, second aorist, aorist just means it's in the past tense. It's something that has happened in the past, all right? Active means the subject is the thing that this has happened to. So each one, each one of you, has received, so something that's happened in the past, and it's happened to you, each one, not something that's been acted upon, but each one, and then uh, indicative is it's a fact. So here's the deal. That one area that of Greek, what it means is, so each person has received, that means it's something that's been done, it's been done in the past, it's not going to be done in the future, it's not ongoing, you've got it, and it's something that uh, you can't dispute it. It's a fact. You might, you might say, I, I, I don't believe it, but just because you don't believe it, it doesn't mean it's not true, it's true. It's a fact. So for each one of us, we have received... In the past, it's been given to us. It's something you have, and it's a fact. You got it. It's not just, you know, I, I really hope that God would do this for us. I, I, you know, he's a good God, and he likes to give. No, he's done it. He's given it to you. It's yours, and it's a fact. So to each one of us, God has given each a special gift. Now, this gift that Greek word basically means grace, filled, gift. Charisma is the word. And it has to do with grace. It has to be, do with a gift that's entrusted to you. So to each one of us, God has given, has given, it's a fact, a gift. 
And so what do we want to do with this gift, right? We want to employ it in serving one another. So each one of us, you've given, been given a gift by God. And remember the giver, the things we talked about, he, he wants you to enjoy it. He wants us to use it. He wants us to realize that, it not, you know, and it's like Victoria said, you don't got 50 million of these things, but you do have it. And it's a special gift. It's unique to who you are. It's unique to what God wants you to do, what, what he wants me to do. And it's something that you have. You, you might say, well, Mark, I don't feel like I got anything. But it's a fact. You and I have it. You don't have to earn it. That hat that Andy gave me, I didn't earn it. I didn't ask him for it. He just did it out of the goodness of his heart. You and I, this gift that God gives us, because it's that word charisma, it's grace. It's not merited by what you and I have done. It's what God has given to you. You didn't, you didn't stand there and say, well, God, I've done this, 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 and this. I think I deserve. Or, God, it's my birthday today, so I deserve a cake and I deserve. No. It might be your birthday, and y'all got birthdays coming up, and it might be a special reason for somebody to give you a gift. But God gave us, has given each one of us, an investment of his grace, a gift to be used, to be incorporated, not just for ourselves, but for others. Amen? So we need to employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let's unpack that. So this idea of stewardship, and somebody said when you get a gift to somebody, you want them to take good care of it, right? So let's say I take this hat. Still give me that hat, Cassidy. So let's say I take this hat, and when Andy gave it to me in Alaska, I mean, I was really excited. I said, man, thank you, dude. I wanted one of these. But what if I said, wow, and chunked it? What if I stepped on it? What if I left it in Alaska? Because it's like, man, I got so many hats. I need to wear hats with my bald head. But anyway, that's what I'm glad. I got. But it's like, what, what if I didn't care for it? What if, but, but, but then I, I want to take good care of it. I want to be able to enjoy it for a long time. And that's God's hope for us. He's given each one of us a gift. You have a gift. I have a gift. Multiple gifts in other translations, other, other parts of the New Testament. It's just you've got a lot to offer. But we want to be good stewards of it. Stewards someone who's been entrusted with responsibility or entrusted with a task. And you've got the ability and you've got accountability. So many times Jesus tells a parable. Thank you tells a parable, and the steward is one of the focal points of that, one of the key players in that parable, because they've been given a responsibility, and they're being held accountable, but they're able to do whatever it is they've been entrusted to do, whether it's watch over a household, uh, given resources to do something, whatever it is. And so God wants us to be, because you are a steward, a good steward of that, someone, a manager of it, someone who, who owns it, but also utilizes it works with it. Amen? And so he says we, we are to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And that word uh, just means, uh, porkilos is the name, but it really just means various, multiple, multiple uh, layers to this, uh, many components to this, uh, varied. And so this idea of God giving each one of you, each, me included, each of us a gift. And if you've been given a gift and you're not using it, then we're not being good stewards. If we've been given something and we're not uh, investing it for good, then we're not fulfilling what God's called us to do. 
Let me tell you about a guy that, uh, I'll tell you two stories. One, uh, his name, uh, I can't tell you his name, but anyway, he, he lives in Columbus, and he's a very successful businessman. And I remember uh, I was serving that church, and he said, Mark, let me tell you um, how important it is for people to come to church. And I said, okay. So uh, he was in my office, and we were talking. And, uh, and the reason I'm telling you a story is the gift of koinonia, the gift of fellowship, the gift of being in a body, and we'll talk about a body in a minute, uh, is so important. So your presence in church is a part of that blessing that God wants for us. Amen. And so he said, he said Mark, uh, I was in church, and he's got three kids, and it was just a wonderful family, and uh, he was struggling with his faith. And he was sitting in the worship service, and he said, you know, I just was wondering, what am I doing here? Why am I even here? Do I really, really, really believe all this Jesus stuff? So he's just questioning. He's, he's in the service, and, he's, and he said, Mark, I looked over, and there was a guy, and he called his name. And this guy owns his own business, and, and he's, he's got a big family as well, or he's got a big family. And he started thinking about that man. He says, I know this guy in the community. He's well-respected. He's got a good business. He's got a good family. If he thinks enough of this time to sit here in church, there's got to be something to this, or he wouldn't be here. He doesn't, he doesn't play games. And then he looked on the other side. He was kind of sitting in the middle by the aisle, and he said he looked over here, and he, and he saw this man, and he told me this man's story. And he said, if that guy thinks enough of God to be here, I need to reevaluate. And he said, God used both of those guys just being in church to help him over a very difficult time in his own life, his struggle with Christianity. And he, uh, he went and told both men later on, you know, how much their presence had meant to him. But each one of us has been, been given a gift, and we are to use it for the greater good. And part of the way we use that gift is to be present, to be a part of a body, to be here. And you guys are doing that. The second story I want to tell you, and, and, and that has to do with somebody in this church, and he told me his story. And he said, Mark, uh, I was active in Martha Bowman in the sense that I would come to church every Sunday. I didn't miss a Sunday. He said, but I just sat in a pew. I didn't do anything other than attend. I was busy with my life, and all I did was attend church. And I think that's good. That's, that's the first thing we need to do, because we're part of the body, right? We, we need to attend. But he said, it wasn't until I started being involved that my faith really took off. He said, I started working in some of the committees. I started volunteering at the church. Uh, I started, uh, my wife and I came and, and became a part of a Sunday school class. He said, Mark, when I started being involved in what was going on and started using the things that I was passionate about, using the gifts that I had, and investing them in what's going on in the life of Martha Bowman, he said, that's when my faith skyrocketed. That's when I began to really grow in my faith because I was given more opportunities to learn who these people are that I'm worshiping with on Sunday mornings. He said, I began to have fun by doing projects for the, for the church. And the same thing happened to this guy that I was telling you about, the first guy. He, uh, he, like I said, he had three children. I was doing youth ministry at the time at this church, and all three of his kids came through, through the youth group when I was there. And uh, I talked to this man one time. I said, hey, uh, Bill, um, we're going to be going up to the Appalachian Mountains doing a service project up there, a mission trip. Would you, would you pray about going with us? He said, Mark, I've never been asked to go on a mission trip. 
I said, I'm asking you now. Would you pray about it? He said, I'll get back with you next week. I said, great. He got back with me. He said, Mark, I'm going to go. I said, man, that's fantastic. So we were doing some home repairs, and he wanted to drive his vehicle, and he had a trailer just full, chock full of stuff. And I was like, Bill, we don't have to bring all this kind of stuff. He said, no, no, no. Uh, you know. And so from that time on, God lit a fire under this guy, and he just started doing powerful ministry. Uh, some of his kids went to Ukraine with me on our Ukraine mission trip, um, and uh, he, he began uh, was the chairman of the missions committee years later, and he said, Mark, it was being involved in the life of the church that I really saw the face of Jesus. It was being involved in the ministries of the church, reaching out to those in need that I really saw my self-worth. I know God loved me in theory, but when I started being used by him, how humbling that was to be used by God. He said, man, God cares about me. And he realized that the things that he had been entrusted with, these gifts and graces to do things, when he began to employ them, when he began to use them, when he began to recognize what they are, and he just didn't sit in the pew like the other gentleman I told you about here. When, when both of these guys started getting involved, that's when God was able to speak to their heart on many levels because they had more opportunity to be used by God, to see the face of God, to experience uh, fellowship. And, and that's what Peter's saying. Use these gifts. Now, uh, last year, Francis, she develops this uh, little icon, and we didn't put it up on the screen for you, but basically it's three circles. Let me see if I can find it. And, uh, and there are three questions, and it's really good. Uh, one is, uh, what are my gifts, talents, and skills? What do I, what do I like to do? You know, what, what am I good at doing? Another question is, what brings me joy? What do I enjoy doing? And the last question is, what are the needs? And when you think about those, those three things, what are the needs that I see out there? What do I like to do? And what, are, what am I good at doing? When you take those three and, you're, and, and, they, and whenever they connect, that's what is called the sweet spot. And if you can find a ministry or if you can find some place to volunteer where you're doing something you like to do, you're doing something that uh, brings you joy, you're doing something that you're good at, and it meets a need, that's really being a good steward of the gifts of God. So in your handout, you've got uh, a little card that uh, gives you an opportunity to look at just some of the things we're doing, not all the things we're doing here at Martha Bowman, but I want to ask you to, to take this out and look at it. And if there's something that uh, appeals to you, something you say, Mark, I, this might be something I'd, I'd be interested in learning more about, just check the box at the bottom. Now, it's got more of a detailed description on it. Um, and like I said, this isn't everything that we do. We do more things. But this is kind of where we want to have folks plugged into. I want you to think about that. Uh, fill it out. And you can put it in the offering plate today or bring it to the church anytime this week. But our hope, especially to me as your pastor, is I want to see each one of us engaged in ministry, doing what God's called us to do, using the gifts that God's given us. Some of you guys like music. We've got a great praise band. Some of you guys like technology, and we've got folks that, that we need to do technology on Sunday morning. Some of you guys, guys love to share your faith, and we've got opportunities with mission trips and local ministries that we're doing. Some of you like to work with children or, or youth, and, and, so, and if that doesn't appeal to you, and you say, well, Mark, I don't know what it is. It's something God's given you. It's not something he's going to give you when you start working. It's something that's already inside of us. And as we begin to do, it just begins to blossom. 
And sometimes different seasons of our life, we like to do certain things when we're young. We like to do something maybe when we're middle-aged. Maybe when we get older, there's, there's, that ministry might look a little bit differently. So it's not like, you, you know, once you're stuck teaching third grade, baby, that's, you're going to be a third grade Sunday school teacher for the rest of your life. No, 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 it's not going to happen. I'm not going to do that to you. But that's not, so, so things change, things, things, because God has given you this gift, and as you use it, then he's going to open up doors for you just to continue to be used by him. And so, and it's just not, it's manifold, it's multi manifold and it's just like there's multiple things god can have you do amen and so think about that place that in the offering plate and then and just keep praying say god you know what what do you want me to do let me encourage you if you're not involved with a sunday school class i want you to pray about being a part of a sunday school class we'll have small groups meeting we've got guys that meet women that meet all week long uh we can plug you into a small group ministry and that's that's where you can really grow in your faith where's terry reynolds where's my big t stand up big t so terry's in a men's group these guys meet once a week uh, and, and they fellowship. They, thank you, Terry. So Terry, <laughs> Terry knows this for a moment. I might call on him. Uh, but it's like there's groups that meet all over the church, and we want to plug into a, a ministry team and, and all these kind of things that are happening in the life of, of Martha Bowman. But it's not until a testimony of own church member that they got involved and they really began to grow in their faith. And I'm not saying that's the only way you're going to grow in faith, but I just know that I know that I know that as we do what Peter says, as we use these gifts, then God, at the very end, what does it say? He will be glorified. Let me close with two more thoughts. One has to do with how God functions with his people. And there's lots of scenarios in the scriptures that help us understand that. One of the ways that we function with him, our relationship, is the bride and the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the bride. And so the church makes herself ready. The church wants to be as beautiful for the bridegroom as we can be. And, and the way we are beautiful is by doing what God's called us to do. If you're a parent and you see your child doing what they can do, that just brings you so much pleasure. That brings you so much joy. That brings you so much pride in a good way. And it's like when, when God's children are doing what they're called to do, ah, I mean, it's just powerful. Another scenario, and Paul writes about this in Romans, and he writes about it to the church in Corinth, and he talks about the church being the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and we're the body. And so his body, when Paul writes about it, he says there's many members, but there's only one body. And so we are Martha Bowman. We're one church body, but we're a part of the larger church universal. When you do the Apostles' Creed, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, that doesn't mean big C like Catholicism, but it's little c meaning universal we believe in the universal church of Jesus Christ worldwide. So last week when we were in Alaska, two weeks ago, and we worshiped with greater friendship, they were my brothers and sisters in Christ. The team that was up there, we, we had a great time being in ministry with them. When the team from Tijuana, and y'all heard about them last week, when they went and they worshiped, and, and all the things that we do church-wide, worldwide, we're a part of a bigger body. And so because you're a part of a body, Paul writes, he says, not everybody is an ear. We got two ears, don't we? You know, not everybody is an eye. Not everybody is a foot. But we need ears. We need eyes. We need feet. We need, we need all of these parts of the body. And you might say, well, man, Matt's up there playing the guitar, and I just love the way he worships. I wish I had that kind of talent. Well, it's because probably Matt's an eyeball, all right? And that's a cool thing. And people see eyeballs, and they make, you know, wow, you got beautiful eyes. I mean, eyes get a lot of compliments, don't they? 
hair getting a lot of compliments. I mean, I don't have as much hair now, but, but I was telling Kathy how much I love her hair today. It's like hair gets a lot of compliments, right? And you think, you know, there's parts of the body that, man, they just, they get all the glory. You know, they get all the accolades. They, you know, they write songs about smiles. They write songs about, you know, but I'm the elbow on the left arm, you know? And it's like nobody writes about the elbow on the left arm. And you might feel less significant than somebody who may be more big. And God says, oh, no. No, you are just as vital. You are just as important as one of the parts of the body that might get more praise, one of the parts of the body that might get more attention. Every part of the body is important. And Paul writes when he says, and when each member in the book of Ephesians, as each member does their part, the eye, the ear, the nose, the hair, the elbow, when we all do our part, he says there's a growth in the body and a glorification of God in heaven. So we need each one of us so if only this side of the congregation, if only you guys are doing it, we're missing out, you know? And if only you guys are doing it and you guys are taking a break, we, we need everybody, every part of the body. And every part's important. If you get up in the middle of the night and you've got to use the restroom or you want to go get something out of the refrigerator and you're walking along and you stump your toe on the corner of the bed, the whole body comes to the aid of that toe, right? Oh, oh, oh! Now, sometimes you might want to say a bad word, and that's not a good thing to do. But it's like, you know, every part of the body comes to the aid of one that's hurting. And that's a part of the being a part of the body. Don't feel insignificant because you are significant. You know? And if you're hurting, if you're a part of the body, then God can protect you, love you, come to your aid through the members of the body. And that's a beautiful part of this idea of the church. There's so many more scenarios. There's so many more understandings, and we're not going to get them to this morning. But my, as I conclude, let me just encourage you two things. One, thank God for the gift he's given you. Amen? Thank him for the gift and ask him how you can use it to be employed as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. And let's do it together. Amen? Let's pray together.